American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, this is John with Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast and website provides fact, not fiction on everything that deals with America, whether internationally or domestically. And with me is my two co-hosts, um, Joe Bitts, who's a combat Marine veteran in Iraq, who was wounded in Iraq, and retired veteran of the Marine Corps, Ray Krause. So how are you guys doing, both Ray and Joe? Good, Great, John. Well, good. So I would... What'd you real quick? What did you guys think of the Super Bowl? It was tight, close game up until the last, and a controversial call yeah. that led the Chiefs to the victory. What was the controversial call? Yeah, the holding at the end. Yeah, kind of went both ways, but he at least he admitted that he held. But yeah. for me, I just thought it was a good game. Yeah. I mean, that's all I wanted was a good game. I was expecting more of the halftime show. I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that, but <laughs> I just thought interesting. I thought the the Eagles. I would have thought the Eagles would have won it. So did I. I just thought they had a better defense, but apparently um, the Chiefs made those adjustments in the second quarter, and it sounded like the Eagles didn't quite make the adjustments they needed to make. So, But it was a good game. I mean, I think th- I think Patrick Mahone is a solid quarterback. Jalen Hurts is an up-and-coming quarterback. Yep. So I think that these two teams will probably be back whether they get to the Super Bowl, but they'll go deep in the playoffs next year. Yep. So we'll have to see. But okay. the – no, go ahead, Joe. Well, I'm just—I was asking you. You're, you've been kind of taking up an issue. I've been hearing it all week. I know, and all I know. week, every day, every single. You no, know, and well, it just gets me fired up because we're all about protecting our country and the greatest national security threat that America faces. And people are going to be stunned when I say this. It's not Russia, and it's definitely not China. Our greatest national security right now is our failing schools. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I came across an article, and I verified it, did my research, and the Depart- the Maryland Department of Education, they t- had a test, state test, for the city of Baltimore. They took, um, what was it, the, the, the 23 schools in the city of Baltimore, and there was like 10 high schools, 8 elementary schools, 3 middle-slash-high schools, and 2 elementary-slash-middle schools. Again, 23 schools in the city of Baltimore, and not one student is proficient in math. Now, this is coming from a city that pays about $22,000 per student mm-hmm. to attend those city schools and have a budget of $1.2 billion, and they're in the top three per capita per pupil spending, and not one student can pass the math test. You say you say twenty two thousand. I heard that. That seems low. That seems a lot. Well, that's like, one of the highest. That's the third highest in the country. Really? New York is about. Uh, let's see. New York is about twenty four thousand. D.C. Washington D.C. is close to almost twenty three thousand dollars. Who's number? Okay, so let's just kind of take it back for a second. Who? What? Or who? Or what state? Where? Do they have the best education? Some of the Midwest states, like, you know, Utah has a good quality education. Is that like a numbers game, though? Like, if there's only, like, if there's if there's only five kids in a class in Iowa. No, it's Iowa. not a numbers thing. It's, I mean, I would have to go deeper into that. But um, if you look at the national assess, educational assessment that came out in October that rated the schools mm-hmm. after, um, was the first testing after COVID, and they basically showed the schools that open or like the states that open their schools early 
were the ones that did better. Yeah. Like Florida happened to open up early. I mean, I know you have kids in the Florida public school system. They shut down in the first part of the year once COVID hit. Took, I think, two weeks in the first uh, school year coming back. But they've been open ever since. So they had a little bit of regression, but not much. Yep. The schools that had a bigger regression was like school districts like in New York State, um, Washington, Oregon, and definitely the state my brother's children are in in California. Mm -hmm. They had an abysmal record because even the Los Angeles Unified School District, the um, L.A. Times came out with a leaked document that said not for public viewing, and it showed that 80% of Hispanic and black children were deficient at grade level in math and um and um, re- uh, math and English. Is that overall, or is there is there anywhere in the country where the, the Black and Hispanic community has a higher proficiency in? I would have these to deep and look, but schools like in Florida did much better, and that was shown by that national assessment that came out of the Department of Education. But my whole point is, when highlighting the city of Baltimore, is, and I'll say this: where are all? We're in Black History Month right now. Yeah. The whole month of February is Black History Month. Where is the advocates who talk about Black Lives Matter? Where is Al Sharpton? I know he was out in Memphis, and then I heard he's down here in um, Florida to rail against Ron DeSantis to make sure um, African Americans have a solid education. So where are all these advocates? Because even New York, 70% of black and Hispanic children are deficient at grade level. That was pre-COVID. And it's only worse now. So look at the entertainment world. We know LeBron James speaks out regularly about the injustice to the black community. He plays in L.A. Mm -hmm. 80% of black children can't do math or English to grade level. Doesn't say anything. What about Black Lives Matter? Have they done anything to highlight the disparity in public education for minority children? They're silent. What about Barack Obama, the first black president? Where is he out? And if you look at Baltimore, 75%, I've looked this up this morning, in the city of Baltimore is African-American children. So basically, one, I mean, you take 10 black children, seven of them cannot do math or English to grade level. So with the proficiency, or because there was, I guess there was like 0% proficiency in those 22 Baltimore Okay. Now, here's another thing. Were all the students in the, those classes that they try to get that rating from, were they all black and Hispanic? Or were there, it was it any No, they was, just said that all those kids who attend those schools were deficient at grade level in math and uh, English. So so, this, is, this is both. But then I dialed down to see how many are African-Americans this morning, and 75% mm-hmm. are black children. Now... This is something that needs to be now. You had just a couple days ago because of no, you had Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, tried to put equity and construction. He said a lot of these inner city construction sites, you don't see people of color in there. They need to hire more. So I asked my brother, who's a superintendent of a construction company in California, mm-hmm. I asked him, what type of math do you do you guys use? And it, it, it ranges to basic math, but then it goes to algebra, but then it goes into geometry when you do um, corners and angles, when you do pour and cement and things like that. 
So what if you can't do math at grade level, so you're maybe three or four, you may be graduating high school, and you're doing math at an elementary or middle school level. Okay. And I had a couple people come into the store who are into construction, and one guy said, I do construction with fabricating and pipe fittings and stuff. And we had one guy come in, and I have him measure a, a pipe and everything, and he couldn't do it. So we couldn't hire him. So how many of these kids who graduate in high school can't do math or English to grade level? What kind of job are they getting? Now, I'll say this. I never thought this, but I'm going to say this. Is this by design? Because if you keep people uneducated and poor, that means they're going to be on the public system. So does that mean they're going to vote for Democrats? So can I go back for a second on something? I'll get rid. All right. So in order for us to go into the military, we had to take the ASVAB that test. Okay. Do you remember what you got on the ASVAB? No, I don't. Do you remember what you got on the ASVAB? Oh, I got a forty-seven. Okay, I got like <laughs> I got like the I got like I failed the first time, and then the second time I barely made it. But it was for a job that was probably the most complicated. And the thing is, is like you're when you're when you go into your your school or something like that. I mean, I was like a Mortiman. Mortiman have to almost have you have to use like calculus, geometry. Yeah, you have to okay? be educated. And they taught us that in less than a month <laughs> how to do that. So, I mean, when it comes to on the job training, I think there are some things that you can do on I the think job. you could I mean, but it's just it's like here's a ruler. Here's six inches. You know, depending on who you're working with, you'd be like, Okay, this is how you know, this is a foot. I mean, I think it's you can basic do, uh, stuff. You, you can do some jobs, you can do basic basic math, okay? I was in the infantry, I was a rifleman. But even when you do land navigation, there is math involved. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't the swiftest at math because well, I was there's but yeah, there's no, but, angles, but there's you know, there, there's the curvature of the earth. There's, hey, the Great Lakes are here, so it's going to throw off your mag. It's going to throw off but your. But even when you, do, but but Joe, even when as a mortarman, when you do call for fire, when you're calling in that, like when the special forces went into Afghanistan, and they had a problem dealing with calling, you know, communicating with the plane, so they had to go back to their old school, and do it by the slide rule. But the, the other problem is when it comes to education, you notice the ones that put a, um, a premium on public schools send their kids to private school. Joe Biden talked about in the, in the State of the Union address last, um, last week, but his kids went to private school. Barack Obama sent his kids to private school even before he became president. Bill Clinton sent his kids to private school. And I was watching an interview with Shannon Bream and Katie Hobbs because she's looking to end this school choice initiative that the previous governor had done and which gives everybody the opportunity to take public dollars to go to the school of their choice. She's against it. She wants to end it. And then Shannon Bream asked it goes, isn't it kind of hypocritical when you got to go to a private public, excuse me, a private Catholic high school. And she goes, well, my parents had choice. Yeah, that's a problem. Your parents had a choice. Mm -hmm. Why are you denying choice for others? What is their What is their motive behind denying choice? Because I, I'll be <clears> like honest, it's going to fix the schools if they just let they them believe stay. Where that it's more money. And she said the reason, the way to fix the public schools is to pour more money into it. And there's no correlation. 
to pour more money into the schools when the other countries like in Europe do half of what we do. We spend the most in the industrialized world in education at 800, $800 billion a year between the federal, state, and local level, and we're still behind everybody else. We're at the bottom of everybody else. There's no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I know I get fired up about it, but, I mean, it's just but, uh, look at the money we spend. But and a lot to, like, so, like, this area is a very, I would say, upper to middle class where we are right now. And those tax dollars are spilling over into the school that's right, is literally right across the street. I mean, is that more? And then I would think that by denying school choice, I mean, I, I don't. I, yeah, well, I don't get it. But here's the point: we're making the assumption, and the Democrats make the assumption that, oh, we don't want to give money to religious schools. Mm-hmm. That's a separation of um, church and state. No, it's not. You're not making the decision. The parents are. Mm -hmm. And you're making the assumption that kids, I mean, excuse me, parents of children don't know what's going on. They want a good education just like your children are getting because in California, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he sent his kids to a private school with in-person learning while my two nieces and nephew were stuck learning at home at the government public school on Zoom. So why does Gavin Newsom's children get a good education, but everybody else has to go to the same crap school? And that's the point. There are some good public schools, but there are a lot of bad ones. And look at um, Baltimore, even New York City. They have charter schools, which is a kind of quasi public schools operating in the same building, taking the same kids, getting better results. You know, it's almost like if someone who normally watches this podcast, you know, on TikTok, if she could put some insight on what's going on, because, I mean, she's almost retiring and she might have a little bit more input on what we're talking about. But but I mean, it's just <laughs> to me, it's appalling that when kids graduate and we're trying to be compete with Ru- uh, Russia, China, Europe and we're not educating our children. It's you said nine hundred billion. We're putting no, into eight hundred billion. Eight, okay, I was off a hundred billion. Hundred billion. <laughs> What's a hundred billion? Yeah. But I mean, it just—it to me, it's appalling. And but here's the most appalling part: Why hasn't this been brought up by the media? Yeah, I, I mean, wanna... I mean, I'd say this one point: I work almost fifty hours a week. How did I find this out? It's not like I'm digging for it. It's in plain view. Yeah. Now, what about you were saying, like, it, it almost seems like it is by design that it, they're to trying me, to. It, I mean, unless well, someone can tell me different, I think well, it is. By well, design. what about overall? Like, what about um, it almost just seems like this administration is hell bent on just knocking down America a few pegs. I, is there, I don't know what it is, because if you look at how the money's being spent. OK, look at the teachers union. Mm hmm. of the money that they donate to political causes goes to Democrats, and that's from OpenSecrets.org. You can check it out. But even talking to your friend that was with the union over in California, remember his name? Oh, that was... um, Scott? Not Scott. No, no, no. That was um, Lance Christensen. Okay, Lance Christensen, who said that the teachers' union is the problem. No, it is the problem, because they dictate... 
what goes on in curriculum. Remember during COVID, they were the ones, they said they didn't do it, but they found evidence with email and documentation. They work with the Center for Disease Control, and they specifically put in language that the Center for Disease Control used to keep schools locked down. Mm -hmm. So they did everything they can. And then you look at the teachers union in Los Angeles and Chicago who said that there's certain things that they wanted to, to get before they opened the schools up. And everything had a very progressive ideology. And you look at Randy Weingard, she's the president of the second largest teachers union. She makes $500,000 a year. And going back to Baltimore, now I mentioned the salary, you have these, the Baltimore Superintendent of Public Education, Dr. Sonia Santelias, I believe I pronounced her name. She got a pay raise in 2022, and she makes over $444,000 a year. All the while, children in her city can't read or do math to, to grade level. And here's the, the kicker. Baltimore is a primarily black city. Yeah. Black mayor, black police chief, black district attorney. She's African-American. So my question to her is, why do I care so much that black children get a solid education that she doesn't? Where's the NAACP? Where's the, you know, when they, the old adage they said from, um, what's the, um, the uh, mind is a terrible thing to work, to waste. Yeah. They're wasting the minds of black children. But you can go in a little bit more deeper about maybe why they're why they're doing this because we talk. I just think it's by design. Well, it's by design, but but why? Why do they want it to turn like they? You're just basically you're maybe describing how they just or this is how they form democratic voters. I think it is because if you keep someone uneducated. And you keep them poor. Yeah, that means they're going to be on the public dole, like welfare, social services. And if they get so money, if they get money, that means why would you want to vote for a party that wants to cut that? Yeah, and tell you have to do this thing. So I think if you do it over generational, and it just becomes a, a habit, you're not going to you're going to vote one party, and that's the Democratic Party. Look what they did with Joe Biden said we're going to forgive student loan debt. All that did is get young people to vote Democratic, even though he knew it was unconstitutional. <laughs> Does he even know? <laughs> but I mean, but he he's doing this and he's doing an end around. So if you go work for the government or a nonprofit, you get your student loan forgiven. So who benefits from who works in government when 90 percent or more of uh government you know political action committee money goes to democrats so i just think it's by design keep people attached to the government they're always going to vote for you so uh kind of shifting gears just a little bit with over to uh, twitter oh free speech yeah the free speech and how um our government has been very adamant about stifling all that well but here's an interest here's an interesting point you're right the government is Let's put it this way. The government can't stop the First Amendment when yeah. we get free speech, the freedom to be uh, unabridged. You can say basically what you want to a degree, but you can say what you want. So the government can't do that. So what the government, and this is proven with the release of the Twitter files, mm -hmm. and you have whistleblowers from the FBI say the government did this. And so the government is using as 
the social media companies as surrogates. Now, here's a good, good thing. Not a good thing. Here's something I want to read on this. The Democratic Party for years used to be one of the greatest defenders of free speech. Now they're the greatest defenders of censorship. You have Elizabeth Warren talking to openly censor people because they don't agree. they're not saying things that she agrees with. You have Robert Reich, the former labor secretary under um, Bill Clinton, basically have this Orwellian idea to say, we need to previously, do, we got a call for free speech and social media, and that censorship is necessary to protect American democracy. Now, the Democratic Party used to be the critic, the greatest critic of corporate power. Now they want corporation to silence critics. They also used to be the greatest skeptic of law enforcement or the FBI. Mm -hmm. But now you have the FBI working in conjunction with Twitter. They got gave money to Twitter. They also had 80 agents working part and parcel with Twitter. Then you also have the massive corporate corruption in censorship. You have corporations censoring individuals. Then you had, like during um, the pandemic, you had an epidemiologist from Twitter, uh, excuse me, from Harvard Medical School. Yeah. You had an epidemiologist from um, Stanford Medical School, one of the top medical schools in the country. Twitter executives were on Capitol Hill, and they were asked point blank, do you have a medical degree? No. But why are you censoring these opinions? All science is is you want to debate the ideas. I may not agree with you. I took a master's program. They didn't want my opinion. They wanted you to debate what was in the industry. And here's an interesting quote. Remember, everybody can talk about President Eisenhower's farewell address, and everybody can quote the military-industrial complex. But if you read three paragraphs below that statement of the military-industrial complex, here is what he said. The prospect of dominion, the domination, excuse me, the prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment Project allocations and the power of money is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet, in holding scientific research and discovery and respect, which we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. Take Dr. Fauci. Every time someone criticized him, you were a threat. We have to be banned, and you have to, how many lives and occupations, how many people had their, their accounts frozen or shut down? And we saw this with those two esteemed doctors from Harvard Medical School and um, Stanford. And we're starting to see how the FBI and government, you, like I mentioned, you had Elizabeth Warren, you had Senator Blumenthal, Senator Whitehouse, even the President of the United States, who's supposed to uphold the Constitution, is saying we need to ban other people's comments and free speech. Mm -hmm. We've been banned on our, this program here because we dared say something that someone disagreed with. So well, they banned us. What about like Congress people or Congress members, senators and stuff like that? You know, they've all been they all they've all been silenced through Twitter. Through Twitter prior prior to Elon Musk buying. But it, it. goes to only to one side. Yeah. If you were a Republican or conservative, you say something different 
than the orthodoxy of the, the prevailing elites, you got to be banned. And we're seeing that all over the place. Look at the, um, for years, let's say this, the rush, the Democrats pushed a Russian collusion theory that collapsed. There was no evidence to support that, but every media outlet pushed it. Mm-hmm. And it's false. It's been proven false. And we found out that Hillary Clinton, through the Michael Sussman trial, she's the one that paid for it and pushed it to the the FBI, who then ran with it. All right. So Beach Baby 226 came on and said, maybe social media is the bane of government as they can't control what is put out to public. Yeah, the, that's why the social media has to make a determination. And that's where the FCC has to say, either you're a platform where all views are heard, or you're a publisher. If you're a publisher, then you have certain legal obligations. You can't print things. You can't put things out that um, that are not true. If you're a platform, you can't silence somebody just because you disagree with what they've said. Whoa. You just can't. Well, you got someone said something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Rick... <laughs> 5242. <laughs> Right-wingers wanted to create chaos in the middle of a pandemic. I, I and I would say, I, I don't know where he's, what he's talking about. You'd say right-wing. <laughs> who shut down who? Who was the one right. when the, um, the, the coronavirus emanated from China? Who was the one that said we need to stop all flights from China? Mm-hmm. And they were called um, xenophobic or you're, you're against Asians. Joe Biden does it this year or early last year, late last year, and no one says a word. Well, he he's not an orange man. Yeah, but, I mean, it's – I think the, the chaos, who's the one that kept the pandemic lockdowns going even though there was no scientific evidence to show that? Even the Johns Hopkins um, Applied um, Economic and Science, they looked at this, and their preliminary findings was – it did a de- detrimental harm to the nation's children. Yeah. How many kids have – my nieces and nephews were stuck at home. Two of them are, are special needs kids, but they're stuck at home learning on Zoom while the governor's kids of California were in-person learning. Well, they even got the teachers to kind of swallow this garbage because they were a big proponent of, like, um, you can send your kids back to class – but I'm not going to teach them because I'm not going to be there. Yeah, and how many billions went to the schools to show that we have 80% of kids can't do math or English to grade level? So, And also, if he was talking about the middle of the pandemic, that would have been right dab smack and along with Joe Biden. <laughs> but see, then the media also has complicity in this. They stopped. Look at the Hunter Biden story. We were told that was Russian disinformation. We have to. That was blocked by social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, and the like. And every media followed in silk, and they were finding out that that was an accurate, that even James Clapper, who's lied about everything, is trying to rehabilitate his image mm-hmm. and said, well, I was misquoted. And if you go back to, when they go to the media, there's a person named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I know I've mentioned him many times before. And he was a famous Russian dissident. He spent many decades in a gulag. And he says this, and I'll kind of read it. It may be kind of long, but I'll read it anyway. It says, the press, too, of course, enjoys the widest freedom in the Western world. And I shall be using the word press to include all media, which he does. What sort of responsibility does a journalist or newspaper have to his readers? 
or to his history or to history. If they have misled public opinion or the government by inaccurate information or wrong conclusions. We saw that during the Russian Russia collusion narrative. They pushed that full throttle when they knew there was no verification. There was no evidence to support that. Do we know any of, of any cases of public recognition or rectification of such mistakes by the same journalist or the same newspaper? Look at the New York Times and Washington Post. Both of them got a new uh, Pulitzer Prize in 2018. Have they given it back when this, this uh, blew up and proved false? No. It hardly ever happens because it would damage sales. A nation may be the victim of such mistake, but the journalist usually always gets away with it. One may, one may safely assume that he will start writing the opposite with renewed self-assurance. How many of the journalists that pushed the Russian collusion narrative without any evidence were held accountable? Nothing. And because of instant and credible information has to be given, it becomes necessary to resort to guesswork, rumors, and suspicions to fill the voids and none, and none of them will ever be rectified. They will stay on the reader's mind. You still have individuals like former Democratic Senator from Missouri, Claire McCaskill. She was on MSN just, I think, last week, still pushing Republicans are a tool of Putin. No evidence to back it up. How many journalists said, well, Senator McCaskill, where's your evidence? Remember Adam Schiff said, I've seen the evidence. It's in plain view. Have any journalist ever asked him, where's your evidence, uh, Congressman Schiff? Nobody. And he's in the, the running to run for U.S. Senate because Dianne Feinstein, the California senator, is stepping down. And how many people's lives were ruined? People still believe Russia, I mean, Trump colluded with Russia. Maybe the war in Russia, I mean, with Ukraine, might have been averted if we had a dialogue with Russia. We'll never know. That's hindsight's 2020. What else? What could what China? But how come nobody's covering the Hunter Biden story? If that would have been Jared Kushner or Don Jr., do you think that wouldn't have been covered? So this is, a, this is where democracy is frail. The public should hear and read what it wants. You not control it. And that's what government's doing. We'll find out with these hearings what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Who else was involved and to what level. Censorship is, you may not like, I may not like certain things on TV. There's a lot of shows I just think are disgusting. So what do I do? I turn the channel. That's my way of shutting it out. But I don't believe in censorship. There's a lot of books and magazines I don't think we should be reading. If I don't like it, I don't read it. Not ban it because I did. Look at the climate change. How many? Let's have a debate about climate change. Oh, after after the spill in Ohio, I can't wait. Yeah, but let's ha- <laughs> let's have an open debate. Greta Susberg, she wrote an article about how we need to spend trillions of dollars to get um, electrify the world. She didn't mention anything where all these rare earths coming from. They're coming in built done by slave labor. Let's have an open dialogue. And if your argument is so strong, then you will destroy my argument. But let's not censor people because we dare disagree. Yeah. Yep. I mean, 
We've seen periods in history. I know Democrats like to use Nazi Germany, but they always put the Republicans going that way. And I don't want to use that analogy, but it seems like Democrats are going more authoritative, like Russia, China, Iran. And the group they, they label them as a threat to democracy, I would say that this other group is a threat. All right, John, if they need to get a hold of us, how can they do so? They can get a hold of us by going to UbaldiReports at gmail.com, or you can check us out on our social media pages at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, obviously TikTok and others. Check us out on all the streaming sites. We post this. Um, just let you know, every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, we have a, um, a live streaming of our TikTok. We have Joe and Ray. They also do a... Um, a podcast after this one called American Gunslingers. Yes. Gun if you want to hear a really good rant coming up in about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, they go a little <laughs> bit more edgier. They oh, we are, we're definitely going to go a lot harder tonight. Yeah, they get a lot of <laughs> they get a lot of booze into them, but they get a good website. It's very informed. And Ray, because of all the things with um, gun rights and gun ownerships, Ray is an expert about knowing the laws of what's going on. He's a gunsmith. So if you have any questions, you can ask Ray about anything to do with guns, especially the gun, the new gun laws that are coming in with the ATF. What does that mean? Because I know I get a lot of questions about that. Actually, and there's a lot of confusion of what's going on. If I can butt in for a second, we are in. we are really monitoring that uh, pistol brace ban because uh, it has been challenged. The lawsuit's been filed, and now there are, I believe, the last time I read, there are 23 states backing that lawsuit against the pistol uh, brace ban. And I really do hope that uh, the House can move on to the Senate with that legislation of uh, the ATF Accountability Act uh, because the ATF is not a legislative uh, branch. They're a, uh, an agency, uh, so they have no right to rewrite rules that uh, make millions and millions of people uh, over possible overnight felons. So. And